Welcome to episode one of the OTS podcast. My name is Christian Gaten and I will be your host. For episode one today, I have on Newt Severson, local farmer from Clarion, Iowa. Newt. Hey Christian, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, be on the podcast and, and chat about everything that you got going on here. I'd like to first start off with you just introducing yourself and what you do on a daily basis. Yes, sir. So, um, yeah, Newt Severson grew up here, um, fifth generation farmer. Uh, my great great grandfather's name was Newt. Uh, we came here from Norway, um, like many. We in, came into this country and have since had, uh, you know, other people in our family. So, there's some Irish, some German, but um, mostly a Scandinavian background. But I uh, love what we do here. Uh, we have been a little bit different in our agricultural approach in the way that we manage our uh, acres with the cow-calf herd. Uh, that's been my mom and dad's biggest, um, I would say, joy in the agriculture realm. Um, and that's something that my wife and Amanda and I have uh, compounded upon. So we raise cattle. We purchase them from my parents once they're weaned. Uh, at around 500 pounds, and um, we keep them for around 20 months. So the animals are between 24 and 28 months when we harvest them. Um, so we double winter them all. We rotationally graze during the growing season. We shoot to have them on pasture, pasture that is growing, actively growing, a forage product um, between the months of April and October, November time frame. Um, utilizing numerous different species, uh, grasses, alfalfas, um, things like millet, uh, sorghum sedan grass, sun hemp, um, chickpeas, cowpeas, turnips, radishes. So we probably use 14 to 16 different forage species every year. Um, something we really enjoy. My wife does all the marketing. We direct sell to the end consumer. Uh, we've been doing that for five years now. We've been very blessed and have seen a lot of growth in that realm. Um, first year we did six animals and this year we are doing 74. Um, so big growth, a lot of capital expenditures getting up and going. Um, we've both worked full-time jobs in addition to this company. Uh, the first year I think our net, excuse me, gross revenue was around 50000 uh, 2022. Two, our gross revenue is around 300000 So um, good growth there. We love doing it. We love being stewards of God's creation, God's land, God's animals. Um, so that's more about the side business. Uh, as a full-time job, I am a Pioneer Seed Sales Representative. I got my degree at Iowa State University in uh, horticulture with an emphasis in turf grass management and a minor in agronomy. Um, the horticulture degree was meant to... Uh, educate me to properly take care of uh, natural athletic fields. So usually perennial ryegrass, um, a cultivar that is used in um, sports management, and um, Kentucky bluegrass. Uh, there's one sector that's golf courses and then another sector that's all other athletic fields, baseball, tennis, football, um, softball, soccer, uh, so that's what I did through college. Uh, worked for the Seattle Seahawks, the Iowa Cubs, um, the San Antonio Padres AA affiliate, the San Antonio Missions, University of Washington uh, Huskies, um, Iowa State University. Uh, decided to leave that area. 
didn't really like living in the city and um, wasn't a huge fan of working with some professional athletes. Others were awesome. Um, but overall, I just felt like I was called to come back home. I did meet my wife in Seattle while she was also working for the Seahawks. Um, so that's a, a good story about how we met. We um, It was a completely plutonic relationship. We were both in other relationships. We had a relationship in Christ together. We meet for Bible studies and that relationship just grew. We became better friends, and um, over time, that developed into a relationship uh, about two months before I was done with my internship, and that was all it took. She uh, came to Iowa, got a job with the Ladies Professional Golf Association for the Solheim Cup event that took place in Des Moines in 2017. We got married in uh, she came in 2016. We got married in 2017 in Italy. Um, love wine, love food. That's something that we are both very passionate about, that we love to spend our time uh, doing, and something that we really love to do with friends and family, um, to have fellowship or uh, friendships through those avenues. Um, so that's uh, kind of a little bit about me. So you being a fifth generation, like, agricultural like family did you always kind of think or know you're gonna get into like cattle and doing all that or did you have like a different path you wanted to follow at first great question Christian um at first I wanted nothing to do with a family farm I wanted to live in a city I wanted to live in a hub I wanted to walk to the bar or restaurant uh, after I got done working at a sports field um I really wanted to get away from the farm, and then once I got away from the farm, I realized just how special it was to work for yourself and to work for the land and be one with the land, um, to really truly care for it as it is your own. Um, so yes, as I got away from it, I realized just how much I missed it, and that is what ultimately brought me back to it. So you said you met Amanda with the Seahawks. Um, I got a few questions about the Seahawks because I think that's pretty cool, personally. Because you were there during, like, the Super Bowl times. So, like, can you do you have any crazy stories that you could tell us about that? Yeah, so I came, I got there in May of 15 after their historic uh, one-yard line pass with the Beast, Marshawn Lynch, as the running back um, that they seem to always replay. And Amanda and I always cringe at that film, always cringe at that footage whenever they play it. Uh, I do have some good stories. So a guy by the name of, we called him Unk. His name was Lee. Um, it was Marshawn's uncle, and it was part of Marshawn's contract that his uncle got a job whenever Marshawn had a contract with the Seahawks, um, and he did indoor uh, facility upkeep, so we were outdoor. Um, so we worked on everything outside of the facilities, and he worked on everything inside the doors, so HVAC, lights, um, anything inside the facility. So we did overlap on certain days and certain things, and he was awesome, and Marshawn would always um, oh, come by or say something if, if Uncle's around, and Marshawn's a great guy. I know he gets a little uh, negativity uh, from the media, but really, I really enjoyed chatting with him the few times I did. But one of the best stories was we were walking up after painting the field, so every Tuesday we repainted the four football fields that we had there. We repainted the three football fields that were natural turf. One of them was the synthetic turf, the indoor. 
So that usually took five to six hours. So we'd start at six o'clock and we'd go up and eat lunch at one. And we were on our way up to eat lunch and Uncle was Unc was with us. And Marshawn's like, oh, y'all look like y'all getting ready to get into something. Let's go, let's go. And he started following us up and he was talking the whole way up and he walked through the buffet line with us. And we sat down at this big octagon table with six or seven um, facility guys and Marshawn, he sat down and didn't say anything for a couple minutes or a couple seconds, I guess. And then he all of a sudden goes, Man, y'all were just fooling. We weren't doing nothing fun and just got up and left. And that just shows his, uh, I feel like, his overall demeanor of of being kind and um, comedic, uh, just a fun dude to be around. Um, the other one just that I think speaks volume of who Doug Baldwin was, it was my second day. I was in the weight room lifting, and, and Doug walked up and said, Hey, I haven't seen you around here before. You know, what's your name? And I told him my name's Newt, and he asked me, you know, a bunch of questions, and we had a good five- or six-minute conversation, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but I didn't know who Doug Baldwin was. I'd never seen his face before, and I said, oh, what what do you do here for the Seahawks? And he just kind of laughed. He said, well, I'm on the first floor. I'm like, what's that mean? He's like, I I play. I play here. My name's Doug Baldwin. I'm like, oh, Nice to meet you, Doug. I'm really sorry. And he's like, not a big deal at all. It's refreshing. It's refreshing when somebody doesn't know who you are. So, um, yeah, there's some really awesome guys that uh, that I feel like get a negative negative rap because they are professional athletes, but they're really, really great people. How many years did you spend with the Seahawks? I was there from May of 2015 until December of 2015. So I was only there eight months. Um, it was just an internship. So. I uh, worked 25 hours a week there and 25 hours a week at the University of Washington, and that got me to my you know full-time status. Um, yeah. Uh, moving back to Iowa and just starting the whole agricultural business part of it, what was the hardest lesson or truth you had to learn? Good question. Really good question. Um, I would say the hardest thing that we had to conceptualize or learn is that when you come into this space – there's other people that have been doing it for so long and they can't allow you to just enter in and piggyback off of what somebody else is doing. It's an incredibly capital intensive venture. So you got to have your whole soul into it. I mean, you got to be okay working a daytime job for a long time and taking these large risks. Um, you know, debt is associated with is a very negative connotation, right? Like, oh, you have a lot of debt. Well, you know, some things are good debt, some things are bad debt, as long as it's serviceable. But nonetheless, you know, that was something Amanda really struggled with was coming here and, and looking at what it was like to take a loan out for $1.2 million over the next 40 years. Um, but over the first two years, I think she saw that that was something that was good, that uh, we were blessed that we were even able to do that, um, that my parents allowed us to be beginning farmers with them, so they allowed us to farm a portion of their acres in conjunction with them, which allowed us to be eligible for some of the United States government um, loans that are only eligible for beginning farmers. So I guess to concise, to make that more of a concise answer, uh, without a doubt, the financial aspect of it and balancing some of the stress or some of the worries that you were that a person has inevitably when having loans um that are seven digits so amanda being from washington she probably had to make a huge transition to coming to iowa and being kind of a farm girl 
What would, how would you say she handled that? Uh, yeah, Christian, another good question. Uh, Amanda's transition to agriculture uh, was one of um, excitement, I think, when she got here at first. Uh, much of it could be encompassed in the worry and the stress of the, some of the financial burden. But as she got used to that, she started to see why it's such a a great way of life. Um, also, why there are so few of people that do it um, because of some of the limitations that it keeps people from it. But her transition into it uh, just continued to get better and better. So when she left that LPGA job I mentioned earlier, she went to Iowa State for a while. And she really got into her own on the agriculture sector there because she was... Uh, Amanda worked for the cohort, so it was a new program. Uh, it, was a, it was a master's program, but it was specifically geared toward people that had been out of college for 15 to 20 years that had C-level positions in cooperatives. So, you know, we were talking like um, the presidents of cooperative, large cooperatives, or the CEOs of large companies such as... Uh, Corteva or Bayer or BASF, um, American Milk Producers is one that not very many people realize, but if you've ever drank milk, you have relied on American Milk Producers. So the woman who is the CEO of that company was part of the board of this um, cohort, part of this program um, that Amanda was managing. So she did all things uh, with the students. She was responsible for getting those students into the program, getting those students' billings figured out, getting those students recruited, getting those students to class, um, helping with day of stuff when they had their classes, uh, scheduling their trip. At the end of the cohort, they'd go on a 10-day trip to, it was supposed to be the ne Netherlands, welcome COVID, you can't go across seas, so they went to Hawaii instead. So she'd contact these places and set up meeting set up tours of different agriculture ventures that hopefully the cohort the students of this master's program could take bits and pieces back to their company and improve their business um, so in that she gained a lot of knowledge on the inner workings of what happens in an agriculture company um, and she gained a lot of love and appreciation for the agriculture sector in that um, in that role and uh, she left that mostly because of the drive back and forth to Ames 60 plus miles every day was taxing on a family with kids and a side business she took a role with an agriculture company called HighQuest Group they put on a conference every year called the Women in Agriculture Summit um, and she was responsible for promotion advertising um, she worked there for a year and a half, two years, and then she just recently actually were recording this um, as she's still working for them, but the 28th of February, uh, she'll put her two weeks in, and March 15th, she'll be full-time Grandview Beef, which is something that we've been working for for a long time, and that transition of just what Christian asked of non-agriculture to agriculture, it's just been a amazing to see her do that because she's a true advocate is what we call it agriculture that is how she got to the point where she was promoting so much agriculture and trying to educate the consumer that agriculture isn't the enemy that agriculture is what feeds people and nobody's trying to do something harmful to their soils everybody that's farming wants agriculture to continue it's their livelihood so she does a spectacular job on the instagram page of educating people the importance 
of agriculture. I w- will agree with you on that. Let's, she does a great job. I watch her stories every day, and it, I feel like it really helps giving that inside scoop to everybody that's on the outside. Like me, for example, I have very little like to do with agriculture in my life. I've worked with hogs and turkeys before. That's about as far as I can go. But I think it's really cool to see like what you guys do on a daily basis and just she shows everything. She doesn't really leave anything out. And it really looks like you guys enjoy yourselves while you're doing that. Yeah, we do. We find a lot of joy in it. And um, I appreciate you saying that Uh, she does get a lot of nice messages on Instagram about how she tries to show the entire thing, the entire process, you know, the pretty parts, the ugly parts, the struggles, the joys, the celebrations. Um, So, yeah, thanks for saying that, Christian. She uh, works hard at it. So another question I have is if you had any advice for your younger self now that you're 29, what would that be? It's hard to look back and give advice to your younger self because, I don't know, I feel like sometimes it's hard to remember the mistakes that you made. Um, I would say if there's one piece of advice that I could give myself – don't procrastinate, and if you have an idea that you feel if you feel passionate about it and you do your research and it makes sense on paper, pull the trigger. Even if it is scary, do it. I like that a lot, actually, because this is something I feel like I kind of... I've talked about this before, and we were supposed to actually record a few months back, but I just got kind of scared a little bit, and I was just nervous about doing it, but here we are giving it a go now. I appreciate you being the first guest on, too. If you could put anything on a billboard for a bunch of for a billion people to see, what would that say? You have good questions, dude. Did you come up with these on your own? Me and a friend did them. Exceptional. If I could put anything on a billboard for a million people to see, I'd say, "Come see Grandview Farm and Ranch and why the view is so grand." It's actually really good how you came up with that. I feel like that's something really important too, because me growing up without having any farm experience, that was just like. I feel like it's something people take for granted. You don't really think about all the people working out on the farm and everything they do for us to be able to eat food every day. So that was really good. Um, If I had to put something on, I recently, a few months back, I saw a line in the Bible and I really fell in love with it. It was, I am who I am. Forget what book that was in, but it was, for me, it just was more of, I think people will try to change who they are for other people instead of just doing it for themselves. I think people worry too much about what others think and like for me it was just more of I don't I do care what other people think but to an extent like at the end of the day it really only matters how you feel about yourself and how God views you so that was one of the things I thought of when I saw that question and first had it pop up to me I applaud you for getting to that point at the age you are um I feel like well, really any age to get to the point where you realize that other people's opinions of yourself don't really matter you said it best is only thing that matters is what god thinks of you and if you're actively trying to build a relationship with him so kudos to you and well said christian okay now that you're 29 and you lived quite a bit of life what is your definition of success i think uh it's a moving target i don't think success is something that can be quantified Um, i think somebody can be successful if they are considered poverty right like if their income makes them in the poverty level uh, they can still be incredibly successful if they love what they do if they're um, happy if every day they wake up they're excited to wake up and get out of bed I think that's success Um, for me personally uh, I view success as um, managing and stewarding the things that are put in my life or the things that I acquire through business the way God 
would want me to. So whether that be um, managing my finances in a good way, whether that be um, managing the acres that I farm or graze in a good way. Um, yeah, that's the way I would manage success is doing something that makes me happy, that fulfills me while glorifying God. That was a really good way to put it. That's basically what I would say. Um, I know you're the leader of the FCA group in Clarion, which I believe stands for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You said it. What would you, how did you get to that position, and how would you say your relationship with God has improved over the years? I was a freshman at Iowa State. I was on the uh, football team. I uh, had a faith, or I didn't really have faith. I went to church, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. Um, I didn't know Jesus. Uh, I was invited to that by a good friend uh, by the name of Russ. Acton, um, and there was really where I started to develop that relationship with God, and I just really liked the setting of it because I could relate it to something that I was really passionate about, um, that being athletics, and that's something I wanted to provide to others in my community when I moved back to Clarion was an opportunity for kids to see that sports aren't the end-all be-all. One day, Everybody stops playing. Tom Brady's 42. I, I think he's retired again, right? Yep. So, you know, everybody's career comes to an end. And when your identity isn't found in sports or whatever your identity is found in, when it changes, you're going to be left looking for something else. And I am a true believer and I believe that that identity needs to be found in Christ. Um, so that's how I came to know FCA. That's where my passion where I have developed a love for that organization, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, mostly because of how it relates back to athletes and how that relates to Christianity. Yeah, that was something I recently, probably a few months back, just started working on my relationship with God. Like I would say I went to church before, but I never fully gave myself up to him. So that was something I was I had just such a God is real moment and it just took me by storm. And since then it just keeps going and just gets better every day. That is awesome. I applaud you for that and um, encourage you to continue down that road. Uh, The thing about a relationship, any relationship, whether it be with God, your wife, your son, your daughter, a friend, a boss, there's ups and downs. I mean, um, I don't think anybody is ever always on fire for God. Um, I think there is a devil that is very active in this world, very active in our lives. You know, God doesn't ever give us temptation. That's the devil. So there are going to be times in everybody's lives where they're more on fire for Christ, where they have a stronger relationship with Christ than a certain other time. So, um, you know, that's something that, oh yeah, relationships always, always building. And um, I think that's an important thing to remember. Pastors and uh, church attendees alike will have moments up and down. And um, I always strive to keep that relationship on fire. And I think a vital part of that is reading the Bible and knowing his word and, and cutting time out every day to spend with him. And I will be the first one to say right now, I haven't done a great job of dedicating time to that recently. And I can tell in my relationship with Christ when I do that, it is a stronger relationship. Um, so it is a moving target, and um, I'm always striving to be better at that, and it's uh, always a goal of mine to continue to strengthen that relationship. Um, I think it's awesome, Christian, that you've got to that point, and um, 
I I hope that you continue to to develop a fellowship and a brotherhood with other people in your uh, in your walk with him. Something I wanted to do is just read the whole Bible from one end to the other end. So that's currently what I'm working on now. I try to read about half an hour, about four times a day. I mean, four times a week. So right now I'm in the book of Deuteronomy. Hope I said that right. So that was, I just write down things that I read and feel like come back to me and something I can relate to in a way. So that was something I've been working on recently. Um, In the past, I've had moments where I just, I didn't, I questioned my faith a little bit because I wasn't sure. I think everyone goes through that at one point where something bad happens to you and you just kind of like, why is this happening to me? Like you just, you expect everything to go well for you, but sometimes all the bad things are just blessings in disguise. Yeah, that's really well put. Um, everybody experiences struggles, others more, some more than others. Um, but yeah, I mean, you said it. That's Amanda is currently doing that same thing, reading it from front to back. And uh, she's still in the Old Testament. And that's something that I have not done. So uh, you're ahead of me in that step, man. Back to the Instagram page, because I know you guys have a lot of people on there. Does this surprise you how many people take interest in what you're doing every day? Me, absolutely. Um, You know, I just never figured that many people would follow an Instagram page. And it just speaks volume to how much time and effort Amanda puts into it. Um, In in college, I put so much... So much... uh, weight so much worth into the number of followers that I had on Instagram, especially with being a college athlete. You know, I put so much of my self-worth in that. And it's just funny how God works. You know, I stopped playing football and I got rid of my Instagram account a a year ago and just stopped caring altogether really about social media. And it's, you know, amazing how that happened. And now there's almost 30,000 people following, um, a page that is about our family farm. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it is really comedic. I'd say that uh, the way God, uh, works in people's lives. What would you say is what keeps you ticking every day? The thing that keeps me ticking every day, I would call it ambition. Um, I have a desire to always be growing and, you know, this is a conversation Amanda and I have had often about, um, not being happy with where you're at, uh, you know, it, that is a sin, always wanting more, um, greed, uh, looking at others and, and being jealous of what they have. Um, and it's not, not my, that ambition isn't based off of looking at others and being jealous of what they have. It's, uh, simply off of a business mindset. You know, I, I love what I do every day. I would love to have, more cattle and more pasture. Um, not from a standpoint of more money, just from a standpoint of, I love what I, I love that. That's my passion. Um, outside of my family and outside of my faith, uh, I love agriculture. And that is every morning when I wake up, I am blessed to be involved in it, whether it's uh, selling pioneer seed and crop protection or grazing cattle or working with the cow-calf pairs. Um, that is something that I'm just really passionate about and hope to be able to do till the day I die. Sounds like everything you do really comes from a good place in your heart. What would you say is the philosophy for a good life? Yeah, the philosophy for a good life. Uh, I think I really do think it comes back to having a relationship with Christ and 
being centered in that because no matter what you find identity in, it's going to let you down. God included. At some point, something's going to happen in your life. It's like, why is God doing this? I mean, Christian, me and you said that earlier in this podcast that, you know, things happen. You're like, why is this happening to me? And if you know God and you know that he wants you to prosper, so a verse that Amanda and I both found while we were in Seattle that we both loved, and then we came together on a Bible study and we said, wow, look at this verse, this both spoke to us, and it was Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, you know, it's, I have plans for you to prosper and not to hurt you. Um, you know, so it's hard for us to see that plan for God in our life, in our day-to-day. You can't see his whole entire plan for your life. Um, so I think a philosophy for somebody to have a life that they love and that keeps them happy throughout it needs to be centered around a relationship in Christ, something bigger than themselves, and the understanding that there's nothing you can do to earn his favor, his love. It's It was his son dying on that cross and being crucified because I will sin every day until I die, and so will everybody else. And if you don't have that relationship with him, if you don't have that understanding in your life that he's the only thing that really, really ever matters, then all your other relationships are going to suffer from it. I agree with you on that because God is going to be with you on your worst days and on your best days. Um, have you ever struggled with setting boundaries on when and what to film? What to film? Yes. Like on Instagram when you guys are uploading videos, have you guys ever struggled with boundaries on that? Yeah, that's a good question. So in terms of the agriculture side, um, not really. I mean, that's kind of our motto. That's kind of what we base Grandview Beef off of is we got to be an open book. We got to educate people on what's really happening on the farm. So uh, really no boundaries there. If there's something that's happened on the farm, we try to show it. Uh, Family, somewhat, you know, everybody wants, everybody should know where their food is produced and um, they should know the family that produces it. But at the same time, you know, everybody has special moments with their kids and their spouses and there has to be an area of um, privacy in that family realm. Um, so I would say that would probably be that area of boundaries that we're still working. I think that, again, is a moving target. What do you put on for social media? What do you put on social media for people to see? And what do you keep just for your family? Um, have you had any fears about putting yourself out there like that? Yeah, so... Again, I think Amanda would be a good person to talk to on this because she uh, she gets some hate. Like there's a, a video that she put up recently about farm kids working, and um, you know, I today she's she said there was somebody that said there's way too much beef around for you to be that skinny. What do you have, AIDS? You know, and that's just one of those things that you get you get from. Uh, a social media and a video that reaches 500,000 views, you're going to have some people that are haters and out there, and there always will be. Um, ask that question. You know, what was, the, was there a second part I didn't answer to that, Christian? How have, you, how have you worked past any fears of putting yourself out there and fears in general? Yeah, so there's always a fear of that, of that hate coming from the people. But I think, again, coming back to just, knowing that people can say whatever they want as long as we are passionate about what we're doing and we're confident about what we're doing we're gonna put it out there and 
run with it. I'm glad you guys think like that. I really like it's just I can't believe people are horrible and comment stuff like that. Like nothing bad is ever posted on there, but I think we'll have to set up a part two maybe with Amanda and talk to her and see how she feels about everything and see her perspective from everything. Um, why did you guys originally want to start sharing? Yeah, we wanted to start sharing we wanted to start sharing on a social media platform for a number of different reasons. One, to push business. Um, we saw that social media was a great, inexpensive platform to advertise our family, our story, our product. Um, and also, I mean, every, egg, agriculture is vilified in the media's eyes. I mean, everybody that thinks cattle are the reason or agriculture as a whole is the reason for climate change or um, the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. Um, there's a lot of other facets that go into that. And don't get me wrong, there are some skewed opinions from people in agriculture too. I'm not sitting here saying agriculture can't do better. Agriculture can do better. And that's something why Amanda and I are so passionate about it. And that is why we share. And that's why we wanted to start sharing is to show that um, we can do things differently and we're passionate about doing things differently. Well, that was really all about the questions I have for agriculture. So just we can get off topic of that for a quick second what is your craziest life experience craziest life experience i'm when i moved to seattle for that internship um housing was outrageous like 1500 dollars for a single room apartment in 2015 that was 30 minutes away from work um and i was getting paid i think it was 12 dollars an hour so not that much money for living in Seattle for $1,500 a month and, you know, still having to pay for everything else. Um, so I got on Craigslist and looked and looked and looked and finally found a place for 500 bucks a month. Uh, it required two months deposit up front. And this was March. So I send this woman $1,000 and I get there and this house is tiny. My room is like 12 foot long by six foot wide and it's in the upstairs. So both sides of my room are slanted you know it's like an a-frame room so the 12 six foot wide room i could only walk in like four feet of it and then like eh, it was probably a little wider than six it was probably like 12 by 12 and i could only walk in like the middle six and then like my bed was wedged in one side and then like all my clothes was wedged in the other side um the door wasn't an actual door just a piece of plywood on a couple rollers and um the lady was fine when I moved in and her dementia, she had dementia and it got pretty bad while I was there. And, uh, so she was pretty mean and pretty, um, difficult to live with, but I ended up befriending and becoming pretty good friends with my neighbor across the hall who also had a room like mine. It was a little bigger. Um, and we talked and I had a motorcycle there that I took with me in my truck that I rode and he had a motorcycle. So we'd go out to eat and have a beer or two. And, um, we were chatting one day and I said, so, you know, what have you been, what have you done all your life? And I was like, well, I spent a long time away. And I said, what do you mean away? He's like, oh, well, I spent 33 years in a state penitentiary. And I said, wow, you know, for what? And, and then he said, well, I was, I made a really bad decision and let somebody else influence my thoughts and my actions. And, he, uh, he spent 33, he was sentenced to 20 or 25 years for double homicide and dismemberment. Um, and I didn't know that, obviously, when I paid my $1,000 for two months rent. 
And uh, his name was Gregory, uh, really actually a pretty nice guy. I would say he was rehabilitated. He drank cuppy, coffee out of a cup every morning, and it was a red plastic cup. looked like a teacup that a little kid had a, in, a, um, in a tea set, and it had a 13-letter number etched into it uh, with a, a shiv or a pen or something. But, I mean, it was definitely hand-etched by him or somebody at the prison, and uh, he took it with him from prison, and he drank coffee out of it every morning as a reminder of why he never wanted to go back there. Um, and we continued to be friends. He, you know, he told me that in July. I moved in in May, and I helped him move out in September, October. I think it was hilarious because uh, we were moving out, and he said, I'd rather go back to prison than live with this crazy lady for another month. So he did. I moved him out with my truck, and um, we had fish and chips in a town nearby where he was living, and that was the last time I talked to him. I did not expect that turn right there at all. <laughs> what was your initial reaction when you first found that out? Because I know, like, me, I would be terrified. Like, wow, you, like, how did I just now find this out? Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I didn't sleep great for the first couple nights, but, um, yeah, I knew he didn't want to go back to prison, and we had, you know, if he would have told me that the first week, I probably would have went and found another place to live that day or that next day, um, but, you know, I had, I had known him for two or three months at that point and we had spent some time together and, uh, he really was, really was a fine guy. I mean, so I, I really didn't lose too much sleep over it. My, my sister did come in September and spend time with us. And I told her this and she's like, what? And scoured through the state records and, and found his court case and like read it to me. And that's when I heard about some of the more intricate details. And if my sister's lis listening to that, that did not make the last three months in that house any easier so if you ever find yourself in a, a similar situation don't dig in deeper <laughs> i agree some things are just left better on red so i know your son's name is harbor and i know there's a pretty cool story behind that if you want to tell that to the people listening to this yeah that'll be another one that's um i think better told or a better story when amanda does this with us so again christian i apologize i'm I'm having fun here chatting with you, but I think she'll add to this story. Uh, Friday Harbor is one of the five San Juan Islands found off the coast in the northwest portion of Washington. It's right on the divide of Canada and America. Um, it's part of Washington State, but it's an amazing spot. If you guys ever find yourself in Washington, it is a must. It's a full day excursion you got to get on a ferry and go two and a half hours um to get to san juan's to get to friday harbor is the place that we went to and we had a date there and um we loved it i mean it was an awesome awesome spot it's really famous for the the whales and the orcas that fluctuate those islands um marine biologists would be able to tell you why specifically that water or that area is such a good spot for orcas and blue whales, but um, it really is. And, you know, on our ferry ride over, we saw numerous uh, pods, which is a group of orcas um, killing killer whales. And it was just such a pristine, amazing place. And we loved it. I mean, it, I, you know, harbor is the, by definition is a place for safekeeping. You know, the harbor is where the boat gets away from the ocean and finds calm waters and, and safe safeness. So, um, we had harbor 
in May of 2020, right at the beginning of COVID. And we wanted to call him Harbor before that just because of our first date being Friday Harbor. But we thought it fit really well because we found safeness and um, a, a feeling of peace when he was born and he came into our lives in a time of chaos, right? Like now we look back at COVID and everybody has a different opinion, right? Like there's still some people that are very worried about it and they very well might have good reasons for it. And they very well might have good reasons to wear masks. But now we know that um, it's not quite as serious as it was, or that a lot of people thought it was in March, April, and May of 2020 when, you know, the country is on lockdown. I mean, school shut down, athletics shut down, everything shut down. So, um, now being on the far side of that, it's almost hard to remember just how severe it was. And I'm sure it'll be in history books. I mean, what happened to this world when that pandemic, uh, struck. So yeah, that's how Harbor got his name. It's a great story. I'll definitely have to ask Amanda on her side of it and what she thinks. COVID was crazy. I remember I was a junior in high school when that happened. So just one day we had just gotten, uh, it was state wrestling. We were down there for team duels, and we got back, and a week later we were just taken out of school. Everyone thought it was going to be a two-week thing, and a year later, and I was just starting my senior year wearing masks and not being able to be within six feet of people at school. That was pretty crazy, I will say. I didn't think about the length, and I had to go pick up my kid in about seven minutes. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. This will be part one of a part two series with a – Newt Severson. Next will be Amanda Severson on with him. Um, if you want to just give a quick shout out to your Instagram. Yes, sir. Um, Instagram, Grandview Beef. And that's the website too, grandviewbeef.com. And if you just search Grandview Beef on Instagram, you'll see us. Um, please follow along. Uh, as I said in this uh, podcast, it's something that we're really passionate about, uh, showing the way we like to raise and steward uh, the the land and the animals that we are lucky enough to be able to take care of. I'd like to thank Newt for being the first guest on. Go to grandviewbeef.com and order your beef. Be ready for a part two with Newt and Amanda. Thank you for listening.